Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you in New York City. Uh, we went extended minutes with Steve Simmons, uh, his new book, A Lucky Life. Tremendous respect for Borea Salmian as a player. I don't know if I buy Steve's contention that uh, Borea was a better defenseman than Paul Coffey, but that is his prerogative to uh, think that way. The Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's this simple. James H. Brown, they, they deliver the best. They know what they're doing. Trent Brown, CFL All-Star, Grey Cup champion with the then-named Edmonton Eskimos. As we tell you, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton area locations. Go online, royalpizza.ca, or download the Royal Pizza app uh, from the App Store. The stock for a recommendation at Royal Pizza's The Mediterranean Chicken. And we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. And welcome back to the show for Legacy Heating and Cooling, whether it's heating or cooling, you need to get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. We welcome back to the show, John Shannon, our NHL insider. Hi, John. How you doing? Good, Bob. Happy Thanksgiving. You're in New York. You have to celebrate it. The team is, as we were speaking. So, uh, no, was, well, you do. You have to celebrate, too. You. Yes. Well, we briefly were there. Uh, but anyhow, look... Um, Let's, uh, let's do this first. The, 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 the tough news on the Borea Salming front. He passed away today at age 71 uh, after a battle with ALS. Uh, look, you, you worked a lot of those games when he was at the, the height of his powers. This guy was very special around the league. Uh, give me your thoughts on Borea Salming. Well, you know, he was, first of all, I don't think I ever saw anybody in as great a condition as Salming was. He might have been the best-conditioned athlete I ever saw play the game. Uh, secondarily, I, I, I think that, you know, what he did, he wasn't the first Swede to come and play hockey in North America, but he truly was a trailblazer. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, when he was in Toronto for Hall of Fame weekend. Um, and I think his success on the ice uh, created a, a market for Swedish-born hockey players and I'm sure it would have happened at some time, but Salming was the first to make a difference. And so after it was Salming, then, uh, you know, Nielsen and Hedberg showed up to play for the Jets in Winnipeg. Uh, and then, you know, a plethora of great defensemen who have said often that Borea Salming was their inspiration to play the game. So he was, he was, a, uh, he was an innovator. Um, he was a Viking. And uh, you know what, uh, as a warrior as he was, he left the same way he began his hockey career, and you have to honor him for that. I asked Steve a question, and, you know, certainly recognize that a, a good calmness uh, uh, often gets into, uh, you know, has conversations that can at times be difficult, but also will, will be challenging as well. And, and so the question I asked is, is it tougher... Uh, to win in Canada for, for Canadian teams in the National Hockey League. We've not had a Stanley Cup champion out of Canada since 1993. You can make an argument Vancouver probably should have won in 2001. They had Boston on the ropes in that series. Uh, the Oilers went 7-06. and Calgary went 7-04. and um, 
his his feeling is the Canadian teams just haven't been good enough, and it has nothing to do with uh, media pressure and that sort of thing. But I, I I do wonder whether or not you know it is is it harder to win in Canada. So I'm going to throw that over to you, John. Is it harder to win in Canada? Uh, I think it's hard. Believe it or not, I think it's harder to win in the regular season in Canada because the criticism is greater during the regular season. But once you get to the playoffs, once you get to the playoffs and you have success in the playoffs, um, it becomes a roller coaster of success. It snowballs. The fan support becomes even greater. Uh, So I, I would argue that getting over the hump of winning and having a, a good position to be ready for the playoffs is more difficult in Canada because of the relentless nature of what goes on on a daily basis in every Canadian city. But once you get to the playoffs, I think it's a level playing field. All right. Uh, I'm going to read you a text, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Bob, are 500 teams, 500 teams Stanley Cup contenders asking for all the people that you, Bob, had excited before the start of the season. I don't think I was the only one that thought that the Edmonton Oilers could be in competition to win the Stanley Cup. They're at 500 right now. You are what your record says you are. John, are the Oilers still a Stanley Cup contender potentially this season? Well, I think they are. You know, uh, you know, do they have things to tidy up? Absolutely, they have things to tidy up. But the potential still exists. And adjustments need to be made. Uh, and what those adjustments are, that's for Kenny Holland to, to figure out what they should be doing, what, for Jay Ridcroft to put it into effect. But certainly, um, you, you know, I, I think that this team has the potential. You know, you're, you're there, you're, you watch them every, every game. What you saw in the third period last night, Bob, was a team possessed and just couldn't beat a great goaltender. It was comparable to a third period against the Buffalo Sabres when Eric Comrie was so good. Um, you know, Have they been disappointing? Absolutely they've been disappointing. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't mean they don't have the potential to compete. Uh, I, I've never, I, I, would, I never predicted them to win the Stanley Cup, but I did expect them to be in the Final Four, and I think I could still stubbornly suggest that they could, be, they could still be in the Final Four. Yeah, uh, well, and, and that makes them a contender if they're in the final four. So I don't think, you know, we'll we'll have to see what happens here. Um, for now, the, the solutions need to be internal. Uh, are you surprised yep. that the Oilers maybe didn't get in on the Ryan Reeves action? Well, we talked about this last week, and I, I, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I, you know, Billy Guerin, I think, has a lot more desperation. Uh, with his club than Kenny does with the Oilers. Except he's got uh, way more toughness, John. Yeah, but he's got to get to the playoffs. Uh, and I think the Oilers have a better chance of getting the playoffs than the Wild do still, even after the Ryan Reeves acquisition. And then beca- then the question becomes, is, does Reeves does Reeves become uh, um, so slow that he becomes a non-factor? You know, uh, that, that, you know that's if he's not fast, and as I said last week, Bob, if he's not fast enough for the Rangers, how is he fast enough for the Oilers? And the answer is he shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, I. I, 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 I you did bring up a very good point about Evander Kane because uh, there was history there. Now those things yep. tend to get smoothed over when a new guy comes to his club. I know that Jonathan Willis was quite. Uh, uh, I, I forgot. What, I think the stat was thirty-six goals against nineteen-four. 
since he's gone to the Rangers and he's been taking a lot of penalties, which is John's way of saying they shouldn't consider picking up uh, uh, Ryan Reeves. Um, I'm also a guy that's got time for Sam Lafferty, and there's some ugly analytics on Sam Lafferty, but to me, Lafferty is a very effective cost-controlled penalty killer and, and depth forward. And my, you know, I, I don't see a seismic move coming, John, which would affect the Oilers' top six or their top four D, but I do want to improve the bottom six forwards if, I, if I'm the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers, and that's why I've made some suggestions along the way like a guy like Sam Lafferty out of the, the Chicago Blackhawks. And I just was intrigued your thoughts. I was stunned that Minnesota was the tra- team that traded. Minnesota needs more skill, not more toughness. They yeah. got lots of toughness. Yeah, I, I wondered about that too. Um, I, I don't, I, and I don't, I must admit, you know, and I, I look back at um, discussions perhaps that Billy had had about about Reeves when when Billy was with the Penguins as a player and then in management, you know. So there's a familiarity with Reeves um, from his management position, uh, position, obviously. But I, I just I don't see the, the Lafferty one. I actually I, I the Lafferty one is one that you know you shouldn't discount. I I quite like Sam Lafferty. Uh, I like his energy. Um, but I don't see him enough to know that he can be a, be consistent enough. And yet, you know, bottom six forwards right now in the NHL, if you tell me what's their worst attribute, it's consistency, and that's why they're in the bottom six. So, so from that perspective, if if something could happen with a guy like Lafferty that was cost effective, yes. then it might be worth looking at. Yeah. Um... Are we at the stage here? The Oilers have got two goals on this road trip in two games. Uh, I looked it up today. 61 minutes with David and Settle since the start of the season have played together five on five. Do we maybe need to look? Because you can always play, you know, Zach Hyman drives play. He's got a relentless work ethic. He, you could play him with Nugent Hopkins. They also killed penalties together last year. Could you, are we at the stage where, because I don't think Leon's 100% right. I don't think he's all the way back after getting that high ankle sprain last year in the playoffs. Is it time to maybe look at short-term putting Leon and Connor together for a couple of games and playing Nugent Hopkins with Hyman? What do you think? Well, I, I, you know, the, the thing the thing that I would suggest is I, I have really thought Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been pretty effective playing where he is, and I think he's better on the wing than the center. That's my personal opinion. Uh, so I, I'm not sure you want to move him back to center uh, because of his effectiveness on the wing. That said, um, I would certainly welcome at times, and I'm not sure I would commit to a certain finite period of games, of, of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl playing together. I think you ha- there ha- there's, a, there's a spark missing, Bob. Yeah, you know, as much as we liked what we saw in the third period last night, there's a spark missing. I don't know what it is, and I, I you know, if the if the coaches knew what it was, they would be lighting the spark itself. So uh, there, ha- there has to be a way to do it, and the obvious the obvious way for this club to do it is is put two of the top five players in the NHL together for a certain period of time. You know, I, I you know there was there was a point where it, when you know, it goes all the way back to when Todd was coaching. You know that in in certain scenarios, outside out of commercials, after power plays, Connor and or sorry, after killing a penalty, Connor and and Leon did play together. Maybe there's something to look at it that way, as opposed to saying we're going to put you together on a regular routine basis. Because I think one of the key things is you have to make it unpredictable for the other team. 
Because if you can, if you can make it unpredictable for the other team and keep them guessing, which is what you do when you have each of them running their own line, I, I think that's more effective. John, to the NHL, so in, in the National Hockey League, let's face it, the general manager is accountable to the fans and gets grilled by media. Uh, the the coach gets second-guessed all the time. The players, if they underperform, they hear about it. Um, broadcasters. I, I tend to be a better broadcaster and a better host on the show when the Oilers are having success. When they struggle, <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's bad enough being called... In- Classic case of shooting the messenger, Bob. Yes. Uh, now... Which brings us to the officials. Does Should the NHL make, and, and you're in a unique position because you used to work for the league. Um, should NHL make their officials accountable to the media after games? What do you think? Wow. Here, can't win situa- is it a can't Here. win situ- situation? Or, I, I mean, I don't, who's... So if we have queries and questions right now, so let's say there's a guy doing a national podcast with a a pretty good one-time afternoon drive host in Toronto. Who would you go to from the league to talk about officiating? Well, there's two guys. You'd go to Colin Campbell, then you'd go to Stephen Walkham. Okay. You know, um, and... Uh, you, you'd probably get a, a better answer from Colin than you would Stephen, uh, to be honest. Um, okay. But but here, I mean, I I would actually I want to answer your question. I don't think you can do it for every game, and I, I'm not even sure you can do it in the regular season because you, you end up t- running tangents because of home team broadcasters, visiting team broadcasters. Sure. If you can do it. Like in the Stanley Cup final, I think like Major League Baseball when they have when they have the World Series, they have a, a pool reporter go in and talk to the umpires. I, I wouldn't object to that okay. in some manner, That's... but I, I don't think when you have you know what is it thirteen hundred and eleven games or whatever it is regular season games, I'm not sure that you want to add another layer of that kind of thing within the realm of what's going on. And I do think you leave that to people uh, like Wacom and like Campbell who can manage it on a daily basis during the regular season. John, I would suggest to you that there's entirely too much reason and logic in what you just suggested. And here's, and here's the, here's the other thing, Bob, um, if, you know, cause I, I watch a lot of games and I listen to a lot of games and some of the rants of broadcasters about officiating. And those guys are team employees. You don't think they're biased? Mm-hmm. You don't think that there's an issue there? And I think that that's why the league is it's easy for the league to take a step back and say, OK, hold on here. We need to manage all of this stuff. And then we'll we'll try to give you a fair unbiased answer to what what our thought process was but we can't be we can't be expecting you know Wes McCauley or 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 whoever is supposed to be the the lines or you know a Garrett Rank or whatever to to to, to answer questions after games I just don't right. I just didn't should, think it's, should it's officials efficient. wait should officials wave off coaches and star players <laughs> I don't think any I, I don't think 
if you are trying, if you put a, a, a some sort of barrier between you and the people yeah. who are playing the game, I think you're making a mistake. Yeah. I think that's wrong, but Terry. But I'll tell you what. One of the one of the funniest stories. I know. I know. I, I'm running along here. But one of the funniest things all the time was Terry Gregson used to sit in the corner with his hands on his knees, sternly waiting for them to drop the puck, and the coach of the Calgary Flames would be yelling at him and yelling at him to come over and talk to him, and that was his brother-in-law. You know. <laughs> If the brother-in-laws can't speak, maybe some once in a while a referee and a coach can't speak too. <laughs> John, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Happy Thanksgiving, Bob. Stay away from that second serving of, of, of stuffing. I haven't or do you even call had it the dress? first serving, you, but I will say hi to our winners now, Roadies, in about forty minutes. Okay. Do you do you do you call it stuffing or dressing? Uh, stuffing. Oh. John, great <laughs> stuff. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. It is 152 in Edmonton, and we have some business to attend to right here, right now. We will tell you, first of all, that the boys at Brent Ridge Ford did such a great job selling their trucks and SUVs. They need more. Trade in your vehicle for an upgrade or sell it to them outright, whatever works best for you. Remember, if you order a 2023 truck from Brent Ridge Ford, your interest rate can be locked in as low as 3.99%. Call Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang, 782-352-6058. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. John Shannon was brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations, four in Calgary, go online at royalpizza.ca and visit the Royal Pizza app at the App Store. Stop recommendation at Royal Pizza's Mediterranean Chicken. This day in Oilers history is presented by New West Travel. Again, uh, give the gift of travel and join Oilers now in Vegas to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights in January. You can visit newestravel.com for more information. This was a big day for the Edmonton Oilers and Paul Coffey and Craig Simpson. Here's Brendan Escott. Yeah, 1987, the Oilers acquiring the second overall pick from 1985. Future 50-goal scorer Craig Simpson, along with Chris Joseph, Dave Hannon, and Mo Mantha from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Paul Coffey, Dave Hunter, and Wayne Van Dorp. Uh, Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight from 6 to 8. Elliot Friedman will be one of our guests on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. Elliot's appearance is brought to you by Abe's Door Service.